0: Uh, so, basically, yesterday when we went out, our group went over to Kings Lynn, and oh, a <laughs> few of them know it, um, and we were going out and we were trying to be there for God, be available for God, and try and see what we could do. Um, a member of our group really felt like they wanted a milkshake, so we went... <laughs> We went to try and find this milkshake bar in the middle of Kinsling and none of us knew where it was. We got a bit lost, but we eventually found it. And by the time we found it, I was um, being a bit tired. And I saw a bench and I saw some people sitting on the bench, so I decided to sit next to them. And they went to me. Um, I went to them. Do you mind if I sit here? And they went, sure. And then one of the two women said, hey, you're wearing a red shirt. What's that about? I've seen people wandering around in groups of red shirts. So I want to know what it's about. So I told her, I told her, oh, we're here, we're um, at Norfolk show- Showground, and they got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody does, don't they? <laughs> yeah, always. And so they got really excited, and they were like, oh, Norfolk Sho- Showgram, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? And I was like, oh, New Day, it's this big Christian youth event, you know. We're there for a weekend, we're out here, and we're helping out the local churches in the community. Do you know about it? And they went, oh, um, Kingsland Academy? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're out helping them, we're trying to spread the word. And they were like, oh, so you from here? And I was like, no, from Sunbury. And they were like, Where? And we've gone, oh, you know, it's this little town. And so I was telling them about what I do at my church and I was telling them about, you know, how I liked it. They were telling me about their town. And we just started talking for about 10, 15 minutes. And then I saw our group was, had their shakes and so we might be ready to go. And I went, you know what, we're here Thursday and Saturday. If you've got any more questions, you know, feel free to approach someone in a red shirt because we are here and we are available for everyone in the community.
1: Cool, excellent. Thank you very much, Charlie. Um, where are my fruity people from? From Team D, fruity people. Where are my fruity people? Yeah, come, come and tell us your story. Hello, guys.
2: Um, we were not having much fun. We weren't being very enthusiastic because we were door knocking. And normally with a survey, it's easy. But when you're just going like kind of with your, just, I don't know, with the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Um, so knocking, knocking, literally, two people onto their doors. And we're like, we're like, Jesus loves you. They're like, thanks. But we were just... No, it was like, it was very, like, not... Um, we didn't get to pray for anyone, but it was fine. Um, hopefully you've blessed them. But we're just feeling really like, come on, like, all of us were like, okay, let's pray. We just need to pray. So we prayed on the corner, and we were like, God... Please give us kind of enthusiasm, don't let this put dampen our day. We want to be kind of doing this for you. And um and we keep walking and then we just come across this big front garden where there's these four elderly people gardening. Like all their backs are like they're all like bending down and picking up weeds. And all we didn't even have to consolidate together, we just looked at each other and went, Would you like any help? And they were all like uh, I think they thought we were joking, and we were like, No, no, p- seriously we actually we've got like an hour and a half please can we help um so we walked in got talking it turns out the woman who lives in the house was an 100 year old woman who just died and they were all like local neighbors that were helping clean up the garden because today is her funeral in town and um we we, we just chat to them about us being from new day and we'd quite a lot in common one of them was from near up where we live in london and or well, she'd been from there originally and uh, georgina our group leader. Um, has, is getting a, a new garden. And she was like, I really want to learn how to do like, more gardening. And th- the one guy, there was th- three women and one guy. And um, he was like, oh, I'm a gardener. And she, so we started chatting to him. And then um, Georgina was like, oh, and, and fruit and vegetables, I really want to grow my own vegetables. And he was like, come with me. So we all followed this guy. And I don't know if this is, again, safeguarding. But, <laughs> but we, we followed him. And we, we all took judgment. And we were like, no, this seems like legit. And then we went into his, we went into his house... <laughs> And he we, we brought us out to his garden. He had two lovely dogs. And um, just huge greenhouses full of, like, tomatoes from all these different countries. And he was just such a nice guy. Like, him and his wife were, like, giving, showing us all of the fruit. And it was just really lovely. And um, then he picked, like, I don't know, like, 13 tomatoes from different countries and gave them to me to take back to camp. We've still got them. They're, like, lying in a bag. But uh, it was just... We, we didn't feel like, we didn't get to pray for them, we didn't get to really directly talk to them about Jesus, but we just felt like that, <laughs> very ironic, but the seeds were planted and it was, yeah, it was just really cool to just chat to them like that and that is enough. Um, and we are going to bring them a card today saying, thank you Mr. and Mrs. Finley for your tomatoes.
1: That's excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, come on. We've got any other stories from yesterday before we start? Anyone else want to come and share a story from yesterday? Come on. Come on, Amy, share a story.
3: Oh, to right close to Okay. Right, well, it's pretty scary going out there and like approaching people because you don't want to feel like just another religion that's trying to be annoying to everybody, and even as we were walking along, we went past a couple of Mormons, and the guys didn't realise that they were Mormons. I was like, "Yeah, look, they got their white shirts and their little black badges," um, and we were going to talk to them, but we didn't in the end. But like, we just felt like we didn't want to be that, just another annoying person, and although it was a really slow start. I ended up going to speak to a guy who was on his break, like surveying the road or something, and I chatted to him for a bit. And I think that just gave my guys a little bit of encouragement. And then it just ended up that the conversations just kept flowing, and they were always about God because we would start off with Can we please ask you a question? What do you think about the church? And they were like, what do you mean, like, the church? Like, church in general, da-da-da. And even though some of them were like, well, they're all just competing against each other, aren't they? As all these different denominations. And actually, with that guy, I had a really good conversation. And some of them weren't open necessarily to changing their opinion or wanting to know more about Jesus and wanting him for themselves but they were still happy to talk and I think my guys would agree that everybody was chatting for at least five minutes weren't they? Like it was a really good conversations and those people will have walked away and will have cycled off and will have gone off with their husband or their wife who they were having the conversation with and they would have probably carried on that conversation or it would have been bugging them or the guy that, he wasn't arguing with me because I wasn't arguing with him but he was just expressing all of his views and I was like interesting And um, and actually because he was they're saying all of that stuff, like who normally sits there thinking deeply about life in the day? But we provoked them to think deeply, so they would have carried on with that, And as we were walking home, we just prayed, I said to the guys like, "Let's all choose somebody that we were talking to today, and let's just pray for them." And you know what? We are going to have absolutely no idea what God's done, but he gave me a picture in the meeting last night um of he just like took me into this little corridor and in it was like some candles and he picked up a candle and he asked me to pick up a candle me and jesus and then we walked out the other side and then there was all these people with candles that weren't lit and he was like go and light them so i got my candle and i was lighting other people's candles and then they were lighting other people's candles and you could just see it going out and actually i think that's what we're doing and we we might not even see the effects but woohoo thank you amy that's excellent
1: Yesterday was a staggering day. Um, I was on Team Team D, Coach D. I don't know what we are. Team D, and uh, we went down. And at the end, I just thought I'd do a quick count up to see how many people we managed to speak to in a couple of hours. This is not a competition, making it clear, but but we spoke to 124 people in about an hour and a half. That yeah yeah, it's worth celebrating. That was just one coach. And how many coaches went out yesterday? Six? Yeah, six coaches went out. So that that just represents one-sixth of what happened yesterday. And yesterday, Norfolk, um, you guys pushed something of the kingdom of God uh, in Norfolk, which is extraordinary. It was absolutely brilliant. The the kingdom of God was, was advanced yesterday and will be today and tomorrow and in the days ahead. But yesterday was proper good. Yeah, yeah. And you guys are amazing. I was really blown away by our team. I'm going to tell you some more stories in a bit. But I need to start. Before I start, can I just check, have you all got a pen? And maybe something to write on. You will need that towards the end of the session. Cool. I realize it does require noise to check that you've got a pen. (laughs) Sorry. Who hasn't got a pen or a paper? Just, okay. Perhaps we could just get some pens and papers to these guys down here. That'd be great. Sorry, Brian. I was just like, let's just make sure everybody's got one. Then we can just start and we can flow and it will all just go swimmingly well. Okay, are we all there? If I can ask you to hurry back. And now by the time I spend all this time telling you about the seminar, we might not even have time to do the exercise and you have to wait till you go out. But anyway, that's fine. All right, today we are looking at the whole area of signs and wonders and miracles and how that works out in our everyday uh, life it's the kind of stuff that we read about in the Bible, um, maybe in books or blogs um, or stuff that you hear about at at church. The incredible stuff that seems impossible, but when it happens, it blows you away. It blows other people away. Um, But there's no formula for this. All I can do is teach you some principles and encourage you to get things in God. You cannot put God in a box. We can't reduce him to a formula. We can't reduce him to a set of rules and regulations that he fits in. God does what God is going to do. He's outside of our thinking, outside of our time and way more miraculous than we could ever, whatever we think of, he can do greater and more than, which is a good thing really. I don't know about you guys with healing and all the rest of the stuff that you've done, but today we're going to look, concentrate mainly on healing and on uh, words of knowledge. Those are two kind of areas that we're going to look at, and I'm going to just go through some principles. When it comes to healing, I don't know why sometimes God heals and sometimes God doesn't heal. Last night was exciting, wasn't it? Whereas people getting up to testifying to God healing them, meeting with them, and we were celebrating with them. I suspect that at the same time, there were people that weren't healed last night. And I, I don't know the rhyme or reason. I'm not going to hazard the rhyme or reason as to why that happens. But these things I do know. If I don't pray for anyone, then no one gets healed. If I pray for lots of people... Some people do get healed. But for me, I have discovered that I have more successful healings um, praying for those that are not in the church. So people that are pre-Christians rather than people in the church. I don't know why that is. The Bible tells us that miracles are a sign and a wonder and they are a sign for the non-believer. And also something else that I fully understand: we live in a culture today whereby I can teach you stuff, and I can say it, and I can be academic about it, but people don't really respond. I've discovered through head knowledge, but what people do respond to is having an experience. We live in that culture. That's why things like, um, uh, you know, when you can buy like days out and spa days and things like LastMinute.com and Red Letter Days. Look at me like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, thank you. You need to be responsive. Otherwise, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, Those sorts of things are really popular in this day and age. People like an experience. They don't necessarily want you just to speak at them and tell them stuff. They want to experience God. And if people actually experience God for themselves, it blows them away. You can't argue with when God God does something uh, in your life. It's not about having an argument with people. I think Amy just said, did you just not say that you didn't know whether you'd convinced them or not convinced them. It's not about proving that you are right. When we meet people and speak to them, it's it's really not about winning. It just isn't about that. Jesus has won the victory. We already live in the good of that. But it is about getting underneath people, serving them, lifting them up and helping them to encounter Jesus. We do this because we are moved by compassion for them. Yesterday afternoon, as our team went out, um, we... I was on my own. I suddenly realized I wasn't in a team. Bad move. And I was like, oh, what do I do? So I wandered around a little bit, sat in Costa for a bit, saw a chap in a wheelchair, thought I might talk to him, bottled it, didn't talk to him. And then um, went out. And when I was out and about, I just saw a homeless guy. And just something inside of me rose, like compassion for this man rose. Now, I come from Croydon. I see homeless people an awful lot. Um, And If I'm honest, I walked past an awful lot. But yesterday, Holy Spirit did something in me. And compassion rose. And I ended up chatting to this guy for about 45 minutes. Had an amazing uh, time with him. But gave him my attention. Most homeless people don't have that level of attention being given to them. Just gave him my attention. Because Jesus gives me his attention. Jesus cares for me. And out of the overflow of what Jesus has done for me, I am able to do that for other people. So it's not about winning, but it is about having a soft heart to those that are around and understanding that when we lift them up, when we bring Jesus to them, that their lives are changed. So whether you had a positive experience yesterday or you felt that people had just rejected you, actually every single word, every encounter that happened yesterday, you did something to advance the kingdom of God in their lives. And whilst we're thinking about praying for healing and praying for the sick, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit more for you in a minute, I also want to mention the other gift that I talked about, the word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge simply means this. It's hearing from God on behalf of others in order to help people experience him. That's all it means. It's knowing something about someone else that you could not have known unless God hadn't revealed it to you. And in respect of what we're going to be doing this afternoon, we hold those two things together in tension. I often get involved in something called treasure hunting, which I suspect a number of you have done. Yeah? Yeah? Do you all know what I'm talking about? Some of you do and some of you don't. That's fine. In order to make sure that we're all on the same page, I'm going to give you a brief explanation of it. Um treasure hunting is a tool that we can use. It's just a tool. It's just a gimmick, but we use it and we use it to help us to hear from God, to be able to find his people, his treasure and bless them. Maybe with a word of encouragement or maybe a healing, um, The thing is for treasure hunting, if God reveals someone to you or shows you something about someone, it means he's already prepared that person to receive your message. It kind of means you're on the winning foot already in the sense of being able to speak into someone's life because God's already doing something in their life. Let me explain a little bit more. If we turned to Acts 9 um, and started at verse 10, it says this. Let's just look at that very quickly. Verse 10, there was a disciple at Damascus. In front of me, there are roughly 200 disciples at Norfolk. Got it? Your disciples, you're following Jesus. That's who you are. And the Lord said to him in a vision, which shows me that Ananias was alert to the Holy Spirit. You know, you can only hear from God if you are ready and willing to hear from God kind of thing. You know, it's like being alert to his presence. You guys are alert to his presence. I know you are because you've been saturated and soaked in the things of God this week. You've been at all the meetings. You've been seeing amazing things happen. You're already, and even yesterday, your faith is being built up. And I know that I'm standing before a group of men and women who are keen to hear from God. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. I don't have to have a word of knowledge to know that. I can just look at your eagerness and know that. So Ananias is there and he responds with simply, here I am, Lord. And so there was a willingness in his heart to respond. And again, when I look at you guys, I know there's a willingness, even if there's a natural fear, and I understand that, there is a willingness in your heart to respond to the things of God. And uh, then Jesus, or the Lord goes on and says to him, uh, gives him a set of clues. He goes, Go to the street called Straight. So he gives him a a location, a name of a place to go to. And he goes, go to the house of Judas where you'll find a man from Tarsus named Saul. So not only did he give him the street name, he told him which house to go to. It's quite specific. And not only did he say which house to go to, he gave him the name of a person in that house to find. I mean, how specific is a proper set of clues. And, he'll say, and he said he's praying. So he already knows that this Saul person will already be in prayer, which means that God has already made ready the person that is coming with the message. So something, he's doing something in Saul's heart that means that when somebody comes with the right message, that Saul will be able to respond positively. He won't be rejected. He'll respond positively. And he's told Ananias that this man has seen a vision and that Ananias will come and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight, which means that there is an illness, a sickness that needs to be healed. So a miracle needs to take place. There's loads of miracles in that. First of all, all those clues that he's got to follow. And then um, and when he goes, there's there's the sickness, the ailment, his blindness, which he has to lay his hands on. And we know that although Ananias initially wasn't willing, he was obedient. You know, there was something in him that fought it, but he was still obedient. And then we know the end of the story, don't we? Because Saul became Paul. Paul, you know, kind of fire starter in the New Testament, wrote a large amount in the New Testament, set up a lot of churches. Phenomenal, phenomenal set of clues but that happens. That wasn't just happening in biblical times. It wasn't just reserved to the Bible. That kind of stuff happens today. So I'm going to share a few stories with you. Ready? Excellent. Um, One of the first times I ever went out treasure hunting. Now, I suspect that Even over the little short time you and I have been together, you probably worked out that I'm quite chatty and that I am quite happy to paint a good picture and I can talk a big talk, not going to lie to you, I can talk a big talk and... um, and people sort of followed quite easily. I quite like that. So I told a few of the, the ladies in the church that, oh, i am do this thing called treasure hunting when I come out. And I made it sound really amazing. And I told them all the stories that I'd read and everything. And they were really excited about coming out of me. And, uh, and what I hadn't told them was that I'd only really done it once before. And it hadn't been very successful. So I kind of just left that one to the side. And um, I just told them all the amazing stories that I'd read. And... Uh, so we prayed, we did the thing, you know, you had to pray, you wait, you only wait for a couple of minutes, you write down whatever comes into your head, you put it into the columns, I'm going to explain all that in a minute, you put it into the columns, and away you go. So we had this set of clues that we were going to follow one Saturday morning, and we only gave ourselves an hour to go out and find all these clues. And as we went out, we came across, oh, we had this clue, Jim. And the word diabetes, we had lots of clues, but gym and diabetes. And I was terrified. I was like, I've sold this picture to these women. They're all coming out with me and they think that I can do the stuff. And I've given them the strong impression that I can do the stuff. And I'm like, what if it doesn't work? What if I've got it wrong? (laughs) And uh, we saw this bloke ahead of us. And I just sort of elbowed my friend and I went, see that bloke over there? he's called Jim. I, like to, I said it like that. He's called Jim. I reckon he's called Jim. No, I said he's called Jim. I just, it was a real confidence. And, he went, and he'll have diabetes. Oh, I was that arrogant. <laughs> but because my friends are so faithful and they totally believe what I'm going to say, they had, like a, they had a holy boldness come upon them and they just marched up to this bloke and I stayed right back. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I held back. They, they marched right up to this bloke. And they went, he called Jim. And he went, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should have seen my mouth. <laughs> I'm like, and so said, of course, these women talk to Jim because they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, you got diabetes. And he's like, yeah. How do you know? <laughs> I'm almost on the floor at this point. <laughs> Because I thought I had blagged it. Because I thought it had something to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. But everything to do with God who is kind. Our Father in heaven is so kind to us. And even though I was absolutely thinking I was faking it, our God doesn't fake it. He he doesn't lie to us. He doesn't confuse us. That comes from the pit. He absolutely tells us the truth. And even when we think we're getting it horribly wrong, in his utter love and utter kindness, he manages to, he just just does good stuff. He is just so very, very good. And so those women all prayed for Jim very, very excitedly. And um, I don't actually know the end of the story. I don't know whether he was healed or not healed. I haven't seen him again. It doesn't matter. He was willing to be prayed for. He was so blown away by the, the fact that these women knew his name and they knew his sickness. He was like, yeah, you can pray for me. And they just stood on the road and prayed for this man and blessed him in Jesus' name. Don't you think that's amazing? Oh, no, my notes have all gone. <laughs> I think that's absolutely, totally and utterly incredible. And actually, what that did in those ladies that I took out with me that morning was it built faith like nothing else. And they treasure hunt. They treasure hunt with a lot of confidence. Um, And actually, so do I treasure hunt with a lot of confidence now, because God is kind. And I know that even when I think it's wrong, God is just bigger bigger than my thoughts. It's never about me. It is about what he's doing. Let me tell you about Alison. So one morning we were out treasure hunting and uh, we had a picture of um, a Tintin dog. Do you know what I mean? That's Snowy. Snowy the Tintin dog. And we walked around for quite a while and we found a lot of people own a small white dog. But every time we approached the person with a small white dog, they weren't that interested in hearing from us. We're like, oh, can we pray for you? And uh, just kept getting rejected. And I was feeling a little bit down by this. And so we uh, went... We were about to go home. We'd been out for about an hour or so. And I just was like, oh, what's all this about? Are we hear from God. What's going on? And we, I just heard a yapping above me. And so I looked up and realized there was a little white dog in a balcony. We were on an estate. And a little white dog in a balcony yapping up and down. And there was a woman with sort of blondish hair sort of out There and uh, so kind of Romeo Romeo and Juliet style, we started having this conversation with her, and we're trying to shout up to her and say to her, "Is there anything we can pray for? We've got this clue." She didn't understand a word of what we were saying, and in the end, we couldn't really hear her. But in the end, we worked out that she had throat cancer, Uh, and she wasn't making a lot of sense. She wasn't very coherent, and her voice wasn't very loud. So we said, we'll just pray for you. And so we just stayed down on the ground and just prayed for her. And then we just waved goodbye and said, see you later. Except that evening, now I've never seen this woman before. But that evening, um, we were having our dinner and my husband looked out and he just said, Jesus, there's a woman on the floor outside our house. and was a little white dog. And I'm like, woman got blonde hair. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, no, how weird is that? Could it be the same woman from this morning? Could it possibly be? So the treasure hunt's all over. We've said goodbye. We've done our little debrief. I'm like, really? So I go outside, and it was the woman from this morning. And I just and she was completely and utterly blind drunk, paralytic drunk. The estate that we lived on in, that, in those days, there were, there were about 800 houses. Not only had I never seen her before, but she could have dropped down in front of any house. But she dropped down an hour in front of our house. Maybe that's good. And um, so I sat with her for about 45 minutes on the curb, just talking. She was in tears. She was distraught. Her biggest concern was, who was going to look after the dog when she died? When you get throat cancer, that's effectively, if you've been told that, it's effectively a death sentence. I can, um, I've can, i learned that from doctors since. since. And uh, she, her biggest concern, I don't really like dogs. I really don't do pets. And so... I was like, well, I'll have your dog for you. I'm like, oh, God, please don't let her die. And um, <laughs> I, I agreed to have her dog. I was like, and she knows where I live, so she's going to come back. She's going to come bite me on the bum. And, uh, and anyway, we had this chat, and I said, look, I'm going to pray for you to be healed. I just prayed a one line prayer just literally said Lord Jesus let her be healed you know just prayed that one line prayer so I'm going to take you home now and as I took her home I said would you like to come to church with me in the morning she like, goes yeah I think so I was like, right. and she could barely speak and I said sleep well as I was saying goodbye so she goes how can I sleep knowing I've got this thing inside of me so I prayed again that she would sleep well and I said I'll come pick you up in the morning and I went to get her in the morning and I didn't expect her to be up I expected her to have a hangover um just all that sort of stuff. Knocked on the door. She was wide awake. And in the morning, she said, and she said with a clear voice, hi, Jazz, how are you? There was no strain in her throat at all. I could hear her perfectly well. And she goes, oh, I slept really well last night. Well, we see prayer works. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I took her to church. And to be honest, she only lasted about 10 minutes. Our church is pretty full on. And she's, Jazz, this isn't for me. I went, okay, that's fine. And I said goodbye to her. And I didn't see her again. And I have to confess, I thought she had died. Except about a year later, I bumped into her in the road. She looked stunning. Hair was all beautiful. She'd put on a little bit of weight. She looked magnificent. She saw me. She just held me. She just hugged me. Um, every trace of cancer had gone from her body. It's become more phenomenal, because since then, since I've shared this story, uh, I've told medics and whatever, and medics have come back and said to me that actually, a diagnosis of throat cancer, re- it really is unlikely that you will um, not die from it. Does that, did that make sense? I don't know if I said that right, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and I see her every now and again. She's still not come to church. But every time I see her, she hugs me, she smiles, we chat, we pass the time of day together. She's still well. This is years on I'm talking about. She's still well. She's doing well. I have got to trust that God is working in her life and that one day she will come to a place of saving faith and being added to a local church. Um, But in all of that, all I did was pray a one-line prayer, took authority in the name of Jesus, told the sickness to go, and I kept going with it. That's all we have to do. It's not rocket science. It's just a principle, not a formula. Let me tell you another story. Because treasure hunting is great, and it's great to be able to make a map. But my hope is that we practice this a few times, but eventually it just becomes what you do day in, day out. And I'd like to say that it is something that I do day in, day out. I remember um, being in a, a coffee I talked about coffee shops, didn't I, the other day. I remember being in a coffee shop and um, I would, made friends with the manageress. My sole reason for making friends with the manageress wasn't possibly to win her to Jesus, but possibly to get free coffee. Um, and I'd made friends with the manageress and she said, Jazz, would you like to come and have coffee with me one afternoon? I said, oh, that'd be nice, free coffee. And so we sat in the afternoon with her and I was enjoying my free coffee when suddenly there was a commotion over to my right on the stairs and, uh, and this woman was just flailing about and being quite bizarre and another woman was with her and so my manageress friend said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to go and go deal with it. And she went off trying to deal with it and this woman was getting louder and louder and it was just quite horrible. And so I was like, oh I've got to do something here. So the manageress, she'd gone. And I'm like, I'm going to have to do something. Oh, so I went over to her and simply said, in Jesus' name, be healed. That's all I said. Don't know where that boldness came from, but it came. And instantaneously, she stopped screaming and shouting and being bizarre. She literally stopped and stared at me. She was having a panic attack. I hadn't realized what was going on. It was only as we uncovered the story, that's what was going on. But a one-line prayer and she instantaneously stopped. Coffee shop was all agog. I was like, what happened there? And the manager, by this stage, had got waters and got drinks and everything. And she got us, she got us outside and we were sitting outside. And the story begins to unfold. This, uh, we as a church back then used to meet in a local high school. The local high school is the kind—it's of, a public school. So it's the kind of school that you go to from the age of three or four all the way to the age of 18. Croydon, big place, lots and lots and lots of high schools, lots and lots of people. This woman, my sort of age, we start chatting, and she goes, and I'm explaining what I do and all the rest of it. And I said, oh, would you like to come to our carol service? It was near Christmas. She goes, oh, yeah, where is it? And I explained it was at Croydon High School. Which school did she go to from the age of three or four to the age of 18? She went to Croydon High. She was, there are so many... Thousands of people in Croydon, but for me to meet the one person that kind of knew where Croydon High was and how to get there, she came to our carol service, she didn't do Alpha yet, I'm hoping that she'll come to Alpha. But what I'm trying to say is that this isn't just restricted to an afternoon of doing treasure hunting at Norfolk. you know, This is an everyday kind of lifestyle thing. You can be alert to the Holy Spirit at every stage of every moment of every day. And God can give you those opportunities. You just need to be a little bit bold sometimes. But God honors your boldness. And even if nothing happens, he still honors the boldness. It's not about what the miracle that happens. It's about what you're doing as you're exercising faith. Let's try and find the rest of my notes. Okay, so the practical, how do we create the map and how will it work this afternoon? First of all, you're going to create your map in your small groups of five or six. Is everybody in a group of five or six-ish? Yeah? Is there anybody not in a group? Cool, excellent. And um, what you're going to do is you're going to put I'm just going to ask you to... Oh, sorry. You're not in a group. Okay, we will sort you out of a group. Which coach are you in? T- Go, coach D. That's my coach. We'll definitely sort you out in a group. Don't worry about it. Um, you can be in my group because I'm in a group of my own at the moment. And um, what we'll do is you'll just pray and you'll ask God for words of knowledge, for th- clues, anything. And I want you to put on your piece of paper anything Absolutely anything that comes into your mind. Listen, you have the mind of Christ. When you became a Christian, you were given the mind of Christ. And some of us will get words. Some of us will get pictures. Some of us will get a, a sense or a feeling. You, the more you practice this, the more you'll get to know how God speaks to you. And don't worry about getting it wrong, honestly. Just put down whatever random things come in to your mind onto a bit of paper. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a little while ago, I had the clue, black and white cow. I live in a city. Where was I going to find a black and white cow? But I put it down on my bit of paper and as we walked about, we didn't find a black and white cow. But then I saw a little boy coming out of the shoe shop and he had a rucksack which was in the shape of a black and white cow. Now, obviously, I'm not going to approach a little boy coming out. That would be wrong and, you know, loads of, what's the word I'm looking for? Not DBS, but, you know, that sort of stuff. So I'm not going to approach a little child. So I looked around to see where his mum was and I saw his mum and I just was like it was just such a random thing to go up to her and say, Excuse me, but I'm on a treasure hunt and I think possibly that you might be my treasure, which obviously gets people's attention straight away. What's that about? And then I had to explain a little bit more. I said, Look, I had a clue of a black and white cow and your little boy was wearing a black and white cow. I kind of feel like you're my treasure. And she's still looking at me like I've got two heads. And I went. I don't want anything because quite often people offer me money. I can don't want money. <laughs> it's all right. I said, but what I would like, is there anything that I can pray for? And as I just said that, she began to well up. That's what I said. Is there anything I can pray for? And tears started rolling down her face. And it transpires that in the week that was following, she was going back into hospital to have IVF because she really wanted a second baby. And her first child had been born as a result of IVF. And I said, look, do you know what? I can just pray that you will fall pregnant. Naturally or through IVF, I have complete faith that you will just fall pregnant. But, you know, random things like a black and white cow in Croydon. Possibly you might find one in Norfolk. There's farms around here. <laughs> are there farms around here? I think there are. But unlikely in Croydon, except in the economy of God, It happens. So you'll write down anything you can, and then what you'll do is in your group is create a map. so you'll just put some headings along the top um you might want to write these down, name description of the person, so what they're wearing or what you know what they look like. You might have curly brown hair or you might have blue eyes, I don't know anything that you know red scarf um and ailment, so maybe something that's ro- something that's wrong with them. a a sickness or a feeling, maybe anxiety, depression, I don't know, words that come into your head that you wouldn't, you just wonder where they've come from, from God. Um, A location, you might get a description of somewhere to go, you might get the name of a street. I think somebody yesterday in our coach said they had the name King Street and the church that we were based in was based on King Street, so they felt they'd gone to the right place. Um, And anything else that doesn't fit into the category, so the unusual. So if it doesn't fit in name, description, ailment or location, you can stick it in to the unusual. So all you're going to do is don't worry about fitting it in at that point. In the two minutes that you're waiting, just write anything down anywhere on your bit of paper. Then afterwards, as a group, create one map together. And then you've got your map. You've got columns and you've got, you've, got, you've got it. So when you look at it, you have to go around finding it. Treasure hunting is good fun. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever been on a treasure hunt, like a real treasure hunt? My kids, when we, used, when we were younger, when they were younger, we used to always do a car treasure hunt. If we had a road trip, we'd always do a clipboard full of things they had to find. They used to love it. And that's all you're going to do this afternoon is go on a treasure hunt. And my kids always did it for the prize and the competition element. You guys are going to do it for a much greater prize. Harry Haribo isn't going to cut it for you guys. This is, this is the prize that Jesus calls you to. It's a much, much greater prize. But I can almost hear, I know that you're buzzing with it, but I can almost hear those questions. How do you start the conversation? So let me give you some ideas. One is if you spot a your treasure simply say excuse me I'm on a treasure hunt and I think you might be my treasure it sounds quite random but it's very disarming you can simply do that Uh, it will get a good laugh and then you can explain what you're doing and I quite like what Rob had to say the other day when he said just say you're camping you know you're in your red t-shirts people might ask about that anyway and you can say you're camping at Norfolk showground that obviously gets people's attention why does it make it legit I don't understand why that makes it legit but it does um, or you can simply say, hi, we're at a big youth event called New Day. We're camping on Norwich Showground and just explain what you're doing. Um, and you can use those approaches when you're knocking on doors or when you meet somebody ra- randomly. But I just want to give you some words of caution before you go off. I don't want to send you out there and just uh, not be careful about what I'm saying. One, I want you to always be polite and be respectful in your conversation. You are really not there to... Push Jesus down people's throats. You are there to love them, to show them the kindness of God, to care for them, to lift them up, um, to meet their need where they are at. We are really not there to win an argument. And I just want you to be so utterly respectful of people as you meet them. And also, just because, I mean, I know that for me, I'm not going to be here every day of the, the week. But we are serving the local churches and they've got to pick this up after we have left. And we wouldn't want to give um, uh, Christianity a bad name. We wouldn't want to give Jesus a bad name. We wouldn't want to give the church a bad name uh, by being forceful uh, with people. And to be honest, if God's highlighted somebody for you, they are ready to receive your message. Always offer prayer for their circumstance um, if you 're praying for their healing, ask if it 's okay to lay hands if it 's appropriate to lay hands on that particular part of them. I mean, I just usually lay hands on a shoulder and um, but sometimes people don 't want to be touched so don 't just assume that you can lay your hands on them. Just ask before you do that. I always think it 's better to keep your eyes open just just keep your eyes open and you don 't have to pray long prayers a one line prayer. It's absolutely fine. You can carry on praying for them after they have gone. I mean, you can pray longer than one-line prayers if you want to. But you can carry on praying for them afterwards. But sometimes that's all people need. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. Um if it's appropriate and if you can, leave them with some literature, especially if they're really responding to things of God. The church will give you some stuff and you can give it to them and hand it on and they can be uh, connected to the local church. And as I said already, don't be pushy. Take the conversation at their pace. So cool? Okay, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask you to get into your groups of five or six. And I'm going to pray for us. So if you can just sort of gather together in your group of five or six. Okay, before we start, I just want to say, if any of you are feeling really anxious about this afternoon, there is no pressure to perform. There is no pressure to come back with amazing stories. There is no pressure. It's not a competition. This is about having a go, and God honors those that have a go. And whether you have this amazing story, or whether you have just one little encounter, whether you have nothing, you are being faithful with what God gives you. I want you to lift off of all pressure and expectation. There is none from me, and there is none from the team, and there is none from the church. It is about you and your walk with God, and you taking some risks and having some fun. This is to be enjoyed. This is not an onerous task. And if you're feeling a little bit stressed by it, please don't worry. Throw that worry out with the pit. Just, just get rid of the worry and just enjoy the afternoon. Please do not be get involved in stress over this. Got it? Cool. We're having a go. We're just going to have a laugh. Right. I, um, I'm just going to pray for us. We're going to wait on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you two minutes. When I finish praying, I will say, this is your two minutes. In those two minutes, I just want you to write whatever comes to your mind. Don't worry about it. You might have a name, color, clothes, descriptions, ailments, whatever. Just write them all down. And uh, then I'll tell you what we'll do after that. You might only have one thing. You might have a hundred things. Depends how fast you can write in two minutes. I'm just going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the fact that you have prepared this afternoon treasure for us to find. I want to thank you that when we go out in Norfolk today, there are people that you have got ready that you want to bless, that you want to heal, that you want to love. And we get to partner with you in that. I know that you can do it, God, and I know that you don't need us to do it. But I thank you that you use us. And I just ask you now, Holy Spirit, to come, to come and to release words and pictures to every single person here, Father, that you would release names and ailments and descriptions and locations, that you would give us unusual clues, fun clues that we can be creative with this afternoon. So I ask you now, Holy Spirit, to come and breathe on us and to bring to our minds the things that you want to write down. Amen. Right, you've got two minutes to write down whatever comes in. Okay. So hopefully you'll all have maybe one or two or maybe even more things on your list. What I want you to do is nominate somebody to be the scribe and to create the map. So to put those columns at the top and to fit those clues into the columns. I'm only going to give you a couple of minutes to do it. in. you can finish this on your coach on your way there. So it's not a big deal, but have a quick go at creating a map. Okay. I'm going to gather you back together again. You may not have finished creating your map. That is okay. You can complete it on the coach or when you arrive back at your, at your church base this afternoon. Just talk to myself. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at me. Give me attention. Give me the attention. Give me the attention. You can finish your maps on the way back. If you haven't understood, because I have actually given you a lot of information. If you haven't understood what I've said, your coach leaders know what they're doing. You can go back and ask them and they can clarify with you. Um, And we're here for a few minutes afterwards. You can just chat to us out there if you need to check anything with us. Just some points of clarification before we go off. One is, if you remember my snowy dog story, I... We spent a lot of time looking for the snowy dog and we had a lot of people say no thank you when we approached them. We kept getting it wrong or we thought we got it wrong. Um, We still managed to interact with people. That's absolutely fine. Have a go. Try it. See what happens. Unless you try it and see what happens, you won't have a story to come back with. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I remember the very first time I went out treasure hunting. I had the name Pat, bad back, red jumper, walking stick, long time. I would tell you that story if I could, but it's too long to explain it all. And the upshot of it was in the evening, I met Pat with the red jumper, the walking stick, and having had it for a long time. She fitted all of my clues. When I showed her my piece of paper and showed it all written down on there, she says, yes, my name's Pat. Yes, I've had it. She, she agreed with all the clues. And then I said, I think God would like to heal you would you like me to pray? And she said, no, thank you. And I was gutted. I'm like, but God said he wants to heal you. you know, I want to scream at her. And, uh, but she just said, no, thank you. And at that point, I was just respectful. I said, oh, thank you very much. I walked away. Listen, I still heard from God. Those clues were still right. It was her decision whether to receive it or not receive it. And that's entirely, you know, so I really want to take any pressure off you. And also remember that we're building on yesterday. So yesterday's um, presence evangelism, we can still do that. You can still sit on a bench and talk to somebody. You can still allow people to come and speak to you. You can still door knock. You can do what you did yesterday. That is okay. We haven't forgotten yesterday's techniques because we've got a new one today. Yesterday's principles are great. Today's principles are great as well.